Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Highland Baptist Church Network and the audio ministry of our church. We would like to let you know about Highland VBS July 26th through 30th. This event is open to kids three years old through fifth grade. It's going to be a great week. Today, Pastor Brian Calhoun continues his series, Unashamed, from the Book of Romans. Every Christian ought to live unashamed. Today's message is Ultimate Victory. Now, let's join Pastor Brian for today's message. 31 through 39, you can find it in your hard copy, find it on your phone, tab the Bible app. Uh, there's, there's some in the pews there. Um, you can find it there, Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. It'll also be on the screen in just a moment. I want to ask you a question. What is going on in your life right now? What's happening in your life? What problems are you facing right now? I'm sure if I were to say popcorn testimony, we'd be here until the play tonight with people saying, this is what's going on in my life right now. Some may say, well, I have very little. Some may say, man, I've got, I've got a ton going on in my life right now. And all those in between. But all of us here have something in common. We all have some problems, some situations, and some struggles that we're dealing with, right? We all do. Today we're going to see God's everlasting love and how we have ultimate victory. We are more than conquerors. We're going to see that here this morning. So with your Bibles open, if you'll please stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible, inerrant word. Beginning in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not, he not, with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you right now, and Lord, we thank you. We thank you that in you, we are truly more than conquerors. We're so thankful. No matter what happens to us in this life, we can know that you are right there with us. Lord, we know that if you've brought us to it, you will bring us through it. And so, Father, I pray today. I know everyone here is dealing with something, Lord, so I pray your Holy Spirit would touch each and every person here today, touch their heart, touch their spirit. Lord, for those of us that already know you, Lord, help us understand. Victory in Jesus Christ. There are three truths we'll notice here 
this morning. The first one is God is for you. God is for you. Verses 31 through 33. Now I want to set up the scene for you. The scene is a courtroom setting. That's the language of the text. There's actually seven questions that are asked here. And these seven questions relate to our complete security and the salvation of Jesus Christ. I mean, last week he's saying, hey, look, I'm like Christ. In Jesus, you've received him. He's going to make you like him. You'll become like him. And then today what we're seeing is no matter what happens in your life, you have ultimate victory. But notice it is a courtroom setting. And guess what? You're the one. I'm the one that's being charged. And you know who my attorney is? Do you know who your attorney is? Jesus. God. He is your attorney. Now, here's a question that I have for you. First of all, I feel bad for the prosecutor, right? I mean, if God's your defender, who in the world? doesn't matter. It can be the best prosecutor in the world that's prosecuting no one's going to be able to defeat you because God is for you. God is for you. You know, in the church today, I've said this many times in the past few years, I've said it many times, and that's this. I really wish we in the church were known more about what we were for, who we were for, than what we're against, right? I remember growing up, the old, old little saying used to be, you know, um, I'm against this and I'm against that. It may be, they'll say like someone instead of being born again, they're just born against, you know. Um, and so uh, the reality is we would just say like this, right, there's a little poem that go like this. Um, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't drink and I don't run around the women who do. You know, they just be it. We don't do this. We don't do this. We don't do this. Instead of saying this is what we do, this is what we're for, and God is for you. He is for you. Look at verse 31. What then shall we say of these things? That's the first of seven questions. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God's your defense attorney, if he's the one that's standing there right beside you, who can really be against you? The answer is no one. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Satan's the one that tries to accuse you and accuse me before God all the time. But then what he does is he looks down at us. And when he looks down at us, if you're a believer, he sees the blood of Jesus covering us. And when he sees that, he says, that's my son, that's my daughter, you can't touch him. Unless, he, unless obviously, you know the story of Job. Job God, Satan goes to God, and God did allow Satan to go and do things to Job. Okay, but he has to get God's permission. He can't just do anything he wants to in your life. God is for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Numbers 14, verse 9, kind of helps understand a little bit more about this. It says, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You don't have to live in fear. God is for you. That's the, the first truth that you see here. And also it says here, 
in verse number 32, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? This takes you back to Genesis 22. This takes you back to where God has asked Abraham, Abraham, would you, do you love me? Yes, you know, I love you. Well, I want you to take your son, your only son, and go to a place I'm going to show you. I want you to sacrifice him to me there. Now, Abraham's thinking in his head, see, God told Abraham, hey, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Isaac is his son of old age. Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. Can you imagine that, ladies? 90 years old, having a baby. Well, she did. And it was the son of promise. Isaac's the son of promise. And so Abraham knows, well, God, you've told me that this is the son of promise here. This is the one that through whom I'm going to have many, many nations come. Through whom I'll have sons and sons and daughters and daughters everywhere. And so he follows the Lord, he obeys him, and he goes to Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son. He's there, and even Isaac along the way says, hey, Dad, um, I see the rope, I see the knife, I see, he calls it fire, but basically the wood for the fire. I see all these things. Where is the lamb? Where is the sacrifice here? And so Abraham says something that could only be inspired by God. He said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. God will provide himself a sacrifice. And so in that statement there is a picture, a foreshadowing of God providing himself, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for all of us in that statement. Now, so he's about, Isaac's tied up. Now, I'm telling you, it took faith on Abraham's part it also took faith on Isaac's part. Isaac had to know his dad was a man of faith. Isaac knew that his dad follows the Lord uh, intently and explicitly follows the Lord for just to lay down and let him time up. He's tied up. Abraham's about to take and kill his son. And I'm sure it's probably the longest pause in his life. Probably, okay, are you sure, Lord, before I go to do this? And then the Lord says, stop. And he does, and there's a ram caught in the thicket. And that shows also the picture of Jesus and us. Jesus is the substitute for us. See that ram substituted for Isaac. And so this tells just takes us back. He did not spare his own son, but deliver him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God is for you. Jesus died for you, verse 32. Jesus justifies you in verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It's God who justifies. There's that, that's forensic language. Once again, this kind of takes you back to the courtroom again. It's, the justification is as if I had not sinned. That's what justification is. It also takes us back to Isaiah chapter 50, verses 8 and 9. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 8 and 9. He is near who justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow like an old garment. The moth will eat them up. Isaiah is saying, hey, God is my defense attorney. God is the one that's for me. He's on my side. It doesn't matter who else comes against me. You know, it's kind of like if you have a, you have a friend, and a um, friend that's like bigger and stronger than you are, and you have some kind of bully come and mess with you, and your friend come up, 
first, you may be a little bit nervous at first. Like, you know, this guy, the bully may be bigger than you are, but this guy is bigger than all the, all the bullies put together. And he comes up to you, and this bully is trying to mess with you, and all of a sudden your friends come up and say, yeah, come on, come on with me. Come on, I'll take your arm right now. That's what Isaiah is saying. Hey, come after me. I've got God on my side. When God's on my side, it doesn't matter who else comes against me, we're going to win. It's not God plus me as a majority. It's just God. He's a majority by himself. But I understand what they mean when they say God plus me is a majority. I get what they mean by that. God is for you. Here's the bottom line today. No matter what happens to you, he who is within you will give you victory. He who is within you will give you victory. God is for you. Secondly, God is with you. That's the second truth about every believer's ultimate victory in Jesus. See it there again in verses 34 through 36. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. Furthermore, is also risen. He is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Christ, who shall separate you? Shall tribulation, all these different things could happen to you. First of all, verse 34, who is he who condemns? Well, let's look at John 3, verse 18. Everybody knows John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that gives only begotten Son, who so believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Look at verse 18, though. John 3, 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So, who condemns in reality? In reality, we condemn ourselves. But in the context here, who condemns is that prosecutor that's coming to condemn you to say, aha, you've done this, I've got all the evidence. Let me tell you something. The prosecutor could have this much from... This much evidence against you. All this evidence against you. But when God is there, God is with you, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. You know, a lot of times, what's all this stack of here? All the sins you've done, sins of omission, sins of commission, all these things you've done in your life that you should not have done, even after you became a believer, okay? And so Satan tries to bring it back up before God. He tries to say, look at all these things they've done. Look at all this stuff that they've been doing. He tries to condemn you before God. But bless God, if you're covered by the blood of Jesus, you've received him. He is yours. Guess what? doesn't matter. doesn't matter. God is with you. This here in verses like 34 through 36 kind of forms the biblical foundation of the doctrine of exaltation and also called session at the right hand of God, where it talks about sitting at the right hand of God. Look at here again, um, verse 34. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So notice this, Jesus prays for you. Mark 16, verse 19 is another place we see this about uh, sitting at the right hand of God. So then after the Lord had spoken to him, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. That is Jesus' place. That's where he is. That's where he is seated, at the right hand of God. Jesus prays for you. It says he makes intercession for us. Isn't that good? Man, I don't know, but... I'm assuming everyone here, make an assumption, everyone here, whenever you go and you pray to God, 
Did you know that Jesus is there making intercession for you? He is there making intercession for you. God is for you and God is with you. You know, I, when you go through things in life, and, and this morning, I know some people may go on something personally in your life, and maybe something in your family, maybe something between you and your spouse, be something in you and your children. It could be something with grandchildren or, or maybe with uh, extended family. It could be going through something at your work, and maybe your employees or maybe your employer, and you're going through things in your life. Maybe you're dealing with something financially. Maybe you're almost at a point of bankruptcy. You don't know what you're going to do. You're dealing with all these things. Let me tell you something, brother, sister. If you know Jesus, he is right there with you. He is right there with you, and he will see you through it. The God who brought you to it is the God who will also see you through it. Jesus prays for you. It's a messianic reference here applied to Jesus. Even at this time, even at the time of the writing of the New Testament, is applied to Jesus. Jesus loves you. Um, it says here, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What kind of love is that? The love of Jesus Christ. I mean, just think about that. For God so loved the world. Love is the center of God's character. His love, his holiness, his justice. But love is the center of his character. What shall separate you? From the love of Christ. And then Paul starts listing different things. He says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. That verse there comes from Psalm 44 verse 22. And what this is, this is a plea to God for a speedy aid in the time of sore distress of Israel. Hebrews 7 and verse number uh, 25. Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is always living to intercede for us. Now, there are a lot of people in distress. A lot of people dealing with things today. I, my mind keeps going back to the Stewart family. Yeah, they're dealing with a lot right now. They're, they're dealing with... Their, their brother, their son, their father, I mean, their uncle. I mean, all different relationships that he represents. They're dealing with him. He's fighting for his life. And so right here, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. It's a plea to God for our speedy aid in time of sore distress for Israel. But let's put it in the context for a day for Eric today. Or maybe for you today, maybe, maybe you're in distress right now, and you just need a speedy aid from God right now today from the come and just show up. Show up in a very big way. God is for you. God is with you. And God is over you. I can't help, I'm going to mention it. Every time I hear the thunder out there, I think about God. And especially on this one here, God is over you. Kind of, you kind of sound like that thunder is right over us. God is over you. Verse 37, it says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Despite all these things. Really what this means there is it's what they call Hebraism. Okay, I don't have to remember that, but this is a Hebraism going on here. And what it's saying is despite all these things, for all that God's done, he is 
with you and you will conquer. Look at this right here. I love this. How, how many athletes do we have out there? How many people say you're athletes, right? Got a lot of athletes out there. I consider myself an athlete. I've been kind of taking a break for a little while, but I consider myself kind of that way. Um, maybe you consider yourself that way too. Um, I like my, my athletics. I love to lift weights, and I love to go running. Those are two things that I do. I love to do those things. And so maybe you like to do something like that. I don't know what you like to do. Maybe you like doing CrossFit. Maybe you like doing some aerobic stuff. Maybe you like walking. You know, some people have said, if you see me running, someone's chasing me, I'll never be running. You know, um, but but where, what do you like to do? Well, you know, a lot of people they have to have certain things, certain shoes, certain clothes to wear when you're going to go uh, and work out and do those, and exercise and do those things. Well, there's a major brand out there that a lot of people know. I've gotten some um, probably some. I was going to say bad press, maybe it's needed press, but some press today called Nike. Everybody's heard of Nike, right? Well. I don't know if you know what Nike means, but I'm going to tell you from the Greek what it means right here. In this verse where it says more than conquerors, we have three words in our English language for one Greek word. Those three words right there, more than conquerors, there's one word in the Greek, and it's hypernikomen, hypernikomen. Now, I want you to hear from that. In the middle of that word, hyper, okay, first of all, hyper. The second one, nikomen, okay. So in the middle there, you have Nike, Nike means victory. It's the God of victory. And so that's why Nike has a little swoosh on there, and they call themselves Nike. It means victory. So if you wear their shoes, you're going to have victory. Or if you don't, you just spend 100 something bucks on shoes, not going to give you victory, okay? But, but that's what it means. It means victory. It means conquerors. And so what the Lord is saying, that for all of us here, we are more than conquerors. We are actually, the word actually means hyper when it, Put on the beginning of the word there, the little prefix, hyper, it actually means super conquerors. We are super conquerors in Jesus Christ because of his love for us. There's the love again. It says here, yet in all these things, despite all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are super conquerors through him who did what? Loved us. Who loved us. God is over you. Jesus conquered death hell and the grave for you, for you, for you, for you, for all of us, for me, for all of us. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again. There's that word again, Nike, Nikea, not Ikea, Nikea. Um, the victory in Jesus. And then listen over in Ephesians chapter 1. I debated whether to read the whole thing or not. I'm going to read it to you because it's very powerful. It's very inspiring for us as believers in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 beginning in verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named only not only in this age but also in that which is to come 
And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Right here in verse 38, right there I read about principalities and, and powers. Here he says, For I am persuaded neither death nor life, whether I die or whether I live, neither angels nor principalities nor powers. Now principalities and powers may have thought about during this time, uh, the Greek mindset they thought in principalities and powers was this, that um, the principalities and powers would actually control astrology. They would control a lot of the, the planets and stuff like that. So they kind of believe that. So, so Paul's even saying it doesn't matter about principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Present and things to come, those are problems in this life that are to come. And let me tell you something. If you got saved and someone said you get saved, all your problems are going to be gone right here. It says, no, they're not. No, they're not. It says here in verse 38, nor things present nor things to come. These things are persecutions. These things are slander. These things, even to the point of taking your life, these things to come in your life. Jesus gives the ultimate victory. No matter what happens to you, he who is within you will give you Victory. Then verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, Paul was not thinking about the astrology here, but he even said height, nor depth. Again, some think about astrology. He wasn't thinking about that. But if you want to use it to illustrate this, it's talking about all the movements of the heavenly bodies. God's in control of that anyway. It doesn't matter. God is in control. This is so good here. This is so good. Nothing has power over those who are hid in Christ. I love this from F.F. F. Bruce. F.F. F. Bruce, in one of the commentaries I read about this, said this. But fate, whether real or imaginary, has no power over those whose life is hid with Christ in God. Colossians 3.3. 3. Nothing in the course of time, nor in the expanses of space, nothing in the whole universe can sever the children of God from their Father's love secured to them in Jesus. We have victory in Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's another verse that I'd like to share with you from 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 17 verse 47 says this. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not say with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. If you know the story here, what's going on is Goliath keeps coming out day after day after day, and he keeps taunting the children of Israel. David's a shepherd boy. David's not even there in the battle at this point. David comes up. He's delivering pizza to the guys there because they're hungry. And so he comes up. He hears Goliath there. And Goliath is shouting and, and taunting the people of Israel saying, Ah, you're nothing but a bunch of ants. You're not going to come after me. And David said, Who's this, who's this guy talking about the children of Israel? Like talking about God's people like this. They said, Oh, he's Goliath. He's a big guy. We can't handle him. David said, You watch. They tried to get David put on the arm of Saul, and it was so big he couldn't really wear it. He said, I don't need this. And this is what David said again. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Listen, Sarah shared this with me this week. The Israelites were afraid 
because they were measuring themselves against Goliath. But David was confident because he was measuring Goliath against God. When God's on your side, it doesn't matter how big the Goliath is. You will have victory. You are going to see a victory in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're here and, and you've been struggling with some different things in your life. You're wondering, Lord, life, I just don't know. Let me tell you something. You're going to see a victory. This world sure is getting bad. Trust God. You will see a victory. I asked Micah and Tucker to come up, and they're going to start singing, I'm going to see a victory. Today, the invitation is still here for you. If you've never received Christ, you've never trusted in Him, today you can do that. There's others here today that you're dealing with something. You're struggling in your life with something. I don't know what it is. God does. He knows we're struggling. And maybe what he's telling you in your heart of hearts to do is to take and put a spiritual stake in the ground. Maybe he's telling you, you know what? When the preacher says, hey, in just a moment, come forward. We need to go forward, honey. We need to go down there and just pray and take and put a spiritual stake in the ground. It may be praying for a lost loved one. It may be praying for something going on in your life financially. Maybe something in your life in your workplace. It may be something going on, something different altogether. But the Lord's been talking to you throughout this message and saying, you know what? You're going to see a victory there. You will if you'll just trust me. May everybody please stand with me. I'm going to say just a word of prayer. Then I'll invite you to come. And I pray that, that many of you will come and say, you know, I'm going to kneel down here. I'm going to be praying, asking the Lord to do a work in my life. You can kneel right where you are. You can, you can pray right where you are. But there's something about stepping out. There's something about moving and saying, you know what? I'm putting a spiritual stake in the ground today. Today I'm doing that. You can kneel this front row. You can kneel down here, wherever it is. Don't put it off. Don't say, well, I was only here to see the children sing. No, you do what God's telling you to do right now today. Father, I come before you right now, and I thank you for the fact that no matter what comes our way, we have victory in you. We have ultimate victory in you. So, Father, today, I pray for those that need to make decisions for you, whatever that may be. Those that today, they need to trust you in their life for the very first time and place their, their life in your hands. I pray they would do that. I pray they wouldn't let anything get in the way of that. For others today that have already placed their faith and trust in you, but they need to come and they need to make that spiritual stake and put it in the ground right now today to say, Lord, I'm trusting you for this. I'm trusting you for victory in this area. The Lord, I pray you give them that boldness to step out and to come. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the praise for what you do. It's in just in my pray. Amen. You have just heard a message from God's Word. And now it's your chance to respond. What is God calling you to do in response to today's message? Let us know by going to hbcmolino.com forward slash life. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for joining us today on the Highland Network. Enjoy.